And I'll invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. For using the Pew Bible, you can find them on page 811. We're going to continue today our examination of the Lord's Prayer, that model of prayer that the Lord Jesus gave to us, that he gave to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mountain. Today we're going to consider specifically the second petition of the Lord's Prayer, Thy Kingdom Come. I'll begin reading today in verse 5 of Matthew 6, and I'll continue through verse 13. Um, Let's turn our attention again to the reading of God's holy, living, and inerrant word. Jesus, speaking to his disciples, said, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Pray with me again, please. Lord God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this word that puts before us this prayer that most of us have been praying since our childhood. Lord, through your word and through your spirit, help us gain greater insight into this very prayer that we pray, these very words that that we pray to you each and every week, if not even more frequently than that. Lord, teach us to pray. We pray that you will do this through the power of your spirit and your word working together. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, Jesus begins his teaching his disciples on prayer by first telling them how not to pray. He says, don't pray like the hypocrites. Don't pray like the Gentiles, like those who don't know the one true God, those who don't know Yahweh. Don't pray like them. But he tells his disciples that that those who follow him, that those who follow Jesus can pray by saying, Our Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He reminds his disciples and he reminds us that God is their father. God is our father. And because of that, they and we, we can pray confidently. We can pray confidently, knowing that the one to whom we take our requests is our father. And that he loves us. And that he cares for us. He cares passionately about our well-being. And because the the Father whom we pray to is is God who sits upon his throne in heaven, he's able to meet our needs. He's able to protect us. 
He's able to defend us. He's able to provide for us in every way that we need. And this one who we pray to, our, our God in heaven, our Father in heaven, is all-powerful and all-wise and only good. And he is trustworthy. We can trust our Father in heaven in the same way that a child can trust his good and loving Father. In the same way that Calvin snuggles up to you right now, Andrea, is how the Lord invites us all to snuggle up to him, to come to him, to come to him confidently, without hesitation, because he loves us as a good father, a good mother loves their children. The Christian can pray confidently because we pray to our Father who is in heaven. We can also pray confidently and expectantly because the one who receives our prayers is the ruler over the kingdom of God. He's the ruler over all things and and we can pray confidently and expectantly because this one to whom we pray to is committed to expanding his kingdom. And he's committed to making that kingdom to be a more present reality, both now and in the future, in our lives as well as throughout all the world. We pray thy kingdom come. But what is it exactly that we mean by this phrase, by this concept of the kingdom? Well, Jesus actually uses this phrase, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, some 80 times as recorded in the New Testament. And he used that phrase when when he was speaking about God and about God's ways and about God's purposes for the world and for his people. But but what does that mean? What, What does it mean here in this pray, this prayer, when Jesus instructs us to pray by saying, Thy kingdom come? Well, in our time together this morning, let's consider first what is the kingdom of God, and then we'll consider what it means when we pray, Thy kingdom come. First, what is the kingdom of God? And here we, sh- we should acknowledge that there's actually quite a bit of confusion and, and lack of agreement over what the kingdom of God is. Some understand the kingdom of God to, to be a future 1,000-year geopolitical reign of Jesus in Israel. Others see it as the spiritual reign of Jesus in the hearts of his people. Others understand it to refer to some other future golden age on earth. What is the kingdom of God? Is is it one of these or maybe a combination of these? This is important for us to understand. It's, It's important that we understand what the kingdom of God means in part simply because we pray these words each and every week. Thy kingdom come. What is it that we are asking of the Lord when we pray that prayer? Well, one generally agreed upon understanding of the kingdom of God is that it's the rule and the realm of God. It refers to the rule of God and the realm in which he rules. 
And that's a good way, a helpful way, I think, for us to think about it. And when we think about it in that way, we see that in a very real sense, all things are part of the kingdom of God because God created all things and he rules over all things. It's that portion of our call to worship this morning from Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas. He established it upon the rivers. So in one sense, God rules over all things and all people because he's the creator and the sovereign over all. But we also understand that God also rules over those upon whom he set his saving hand of favor. He he rules over those he saves in a special sense as our redeemer. This rule of God over, over his people is sometimes referred to as God's kingdom of grace. And in this present age, this kingdom of grace, this rule of God, well, it can be somewhat hidden. It can be obscured. But God's word tells us that when Christ returns, it'll be a kingdom of glory and all will see it clearly. Theologian Michael Horton puts it this way. He says, the status and character of Christ's kingdom are always determined by the status and character of its king. Like the Lord during his earthly ministry, at present this kingdom has a glory that lies hidden under the cross. Even though its power is at work as the Spirit makes the rays of the age to come to penetrate the darkness of this present age, like its gospel, the kingdom's form, means, government, and effects seem weak in the eyes of the world. It is often persecuted or simply ignored by the powers and the principalities of this present evil age. And yet it grows precisely in and through the apparent weakness of its message and ministry. Yet one day the announcement will ring out that the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of its Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. That's what we're told in, in Revelation eleven fifteen. And the Christian has been made to become a citizen of the kingdom of God. It's that passage that served as our assurance of pardon today from Colossians 1. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Philippians 3.20 conveys a similar concept, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian has been brought into the kingdom of God. Now, now one thing that's important for us to understand about the kingdom of God, and this is also important for us to understand about so many aspects of the Christian life, is that there's something that theologians refer to as the already but the not yet. There's an already but a not yet character of the kingdom of God. 
the already, but the not yet. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, we'll think, for instance, of 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The Christian has been made to be a new creation. That's the already. But there's still a not yet aspect of our lives, isn't there? 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. The already and the not yet. You are already a new creation in Christ, but you are not yet that full new creation in Christ that you will one day be. And it's like that also with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has already come, but it has not yet come in fullness and in clarity. The kingdom of God was ushered in in a special way in the, in the first coming of Jesus. But it's not yet been fully realized or, or fully consummated. The kingdom of God has come in part. But there's more to come before it's established completely. That's why we pray, thy kingdom come. We pray thy kingdom come, asking the Lord to hasten the day when the fullness of the kingdom of God will become a more present reality. It's sometimes been said that when we pray for the kingdom of God to come, we're praying for the gap between the already and the not yet to be closed. When we pray that kingdom come, we're asking for the Lord to show himself to be the king. We're asking him to rule over his kingdom. The catechism tells us that that Christ executes the office of king by subduing us to himself and ruling and defending us and in restraining and conquering all of his and our enemies. And when we pray thy kingdom come... We're asking him to do that all the more. In the time that we have left this morning, let's let's consider the way that the Heidelberg Catechism helps us to understand what it means to pray, thy kingdom come. We're told in, in the Heidelberg Catechism that when we pray, thy kingdom come, we're asking God to so rule us by his word and spirit that we would submit to him more and more. We pray thy kingdom come, asking the Lord to conquer our hearts. We're asking him to to conquer those things in our hearts and in our lives that we haven't yet fully submitted to him. Although we want to love him, although we want to submit to him and walk in his ways, and although we may do that in part, there are still parts of our lives where we fight against him, where we resist him where we resist his kingly rule over our lives. And so when we pray, we pray that that part of our lives where we resist him, that the Lord would conquer those areas of our lives. 
We pray that he would make himself to be king over our hearts and our lives and that we would submit to him more fully. That's called sanctification. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace wherein we're renewed after, uh, in, a, in the whole man after the image of God. And we're enabled more and more to die to sin and to live unto righteousness. When we pray thy kingdom come, we're praying that we would die to our sin and to submit to the Lord more and more. We're asking Him to continue to transform us more and more into the likeness of Christ through the power of His Spirit. We pray that He'll continue to transform us from one degree of glory to another as we're told that He's doing for us in 2 Corinthians 3.18. We're also asking Him when we pray Thy kingdom come, we're asking Him to cause us to treasure Him more in our hearts. We're praying that as His kingdom comes more and more in us, that we'll treasure Him in the ways in which He speaks about, for instance, in Matthew 13, 44 and 45. There Jesus tells us, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he covered it up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. That's what we're asking the Lord to do in our hearts towards him when we pray, thy kingdom come. We're asking that he would show himself to be that thing of greatest value, that greatest treasure in all of our lives, to reveal that to us more and more. When we pray that kingdom come, we're also asking the Lord to preserve and to increase his church. You know, God intends for the church to be a kind of outpost of the kingdom of God on earth. The church is to be a, be a kind of embassy for the kingdom of heaven, just as there are embassies of different countries throughout the world. And we are called to be his ambassadors. But the church is often under attack. The church is under attack at times from without and from within. But Christ has promised that he will protect and that he'll preserve his church. Matthew 16, 18, Truly I tell you, I will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we pray that the kingdom of God will show itself to be stronger than the power of those who are opposed to the church. 1 John 4, 4, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The kingdom of God expands. The, the kingdom of God comes every time the word of God is faithfully proclaimed in a local church. And when the sacraments and the right exercise of church discipline is administered. And we pray not just that the Lord would preserve his church, but we pray also that the Lord would increase his church. There are more of the elect of God to be gathered in and to experience the blessedness that is citizenship 
in the kingdom of God. And so when we pray that kingdom come, we're asking the Lord to add to that number those whom he has saved. Remember what Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3.3, Truly I say to you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And John 3, 5, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so that's what we're praying for when we pray thy kingdom come. We're praying that the Lord would cause lost sinners to be born again. We're praying that the Lord would convert those who are dead and make them to be alive. That they would cross from death to life. And from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Into the kingdom of his beloved son. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. We need to pray that the Lord would cause more people to come to understand who he is. And, and that they would bow their knee to him and embrace him in faith as their God and king. It's right for us to pray that the Lord would add to his kingdom numerically. We should pray that for this church, that the Lord would grow this church. We should pray that for every faithful local church, that the Lord would increase and preserve His church. In Matthew 13, 31, Jesus says that that the kingdom of heaven is like a seed that grows until it becomes a large tree. So we pray for more people to be added to the kingdom of God. When we pray thy kingdom come, we're we're also praying that the Lord would destroy the works of the devil and every power that raises itself against God and every conspiracy against his holy word. Again, we we see that repeating theme of, of asking the Lord to conquer and to subdue his enemies more and more. We understand that the the Christian's three great enemies are the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so when we pray thy kingdom come, we're asking the Lord to destroy the power that these three powers have over us. When we pray this, we're we're also asking the Lord to bring about the consummation, the conclusion of all of His redemptive activity and to usher in the full and final realization of the kingdom of God. We await that day when Jesus will return and put a final and eternal end to Satan and to all of the enemies of God. And in that day, the Lord will usher in the new era of the new heavens and the new earth. What we read in Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, 
for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne has said, Behold, I am making all things new. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're asking the Lord to accomplish. Each and every time that we pray, thy kingdom come. And on that day, a voice in heaven will declare the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. That's what we're praying for when we pray thy kingdom come. Friends, put your hope in that kingdom. Don't put your hope in the kingdom of this world. Put your trust in that king. Not in any king or or any man in this world. But put your hope into the king who is coming. The king who is. The king who's already reigning. Again, Psalm 24. He's the king of glory. The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord of hosts. And the king of glory. Pray with me, please. Yes, Lord. Make your kingdom to come. Make your kingdom to come more and more in our lives and in the church and in the world and in heaven. Help us to think more of you and your kingdom than we do of ourselves or of the things of this world. Give us eyes of faith and hearts of understanding so that we might see how how you're at work at all times accomplishing all of these sovereign purposes of yours. That you are at work always advancing your kingdom. So yes, Lord, we pray, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come, Lord. And Lord Jesus, would you come? Come quickly, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's praise this God who is head over this eternal kingdom. Let's stand and sing, praise my soul, the King of heaven.
Now, friends, receive the Lord's benediction from 1 John 3, verses 1 through 4. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Friends, may the kingdom of God come more and more in your lives, and may that be true this day and every day.